Hey everybody, welcome to the Sweet Morgan Life Question Show. This is a show where we give back as much as we can to you, our audience. Uh, we appreciate your engagement with the thought, your wanting to know more, and we're going to try to talk about what you want to talk about for the whole hour. I'm Curtis, I'm the host. Maybe you've already seen Cara Dom to my left. She's a Latin consultant for the New Century Edition, and the rest of our team is rounded out down this way. We have Dr. Jonathan Rose, who is the series editor of the New Century Edition, the same New Century Edition that Cara's on. Ironically enough, I never know when to use that word. And then there's Chelsea, who is from the Swedenborg Foundation, just like me. And so we're we're like encompassing, uh, you know, the getting into the the translating and the original text of it. And then we're spending time like, how do you get it on the Internet and interacting with the Internet? And so are you guys. And so hopefully all that together gives us some business to be up here at this table. We'll see. You guys be the judges of that by the end of it. So we've got questions. Uh, if you're in the chat room right now, get them in. We're just going to take a bunch of questions and give our, our best uh, renderings of, of what we think the appropriate answer is. So you guys ready? Everyone at home? Ready. Okay. Let's look at our first question. This is from Mary. Do evil spirits on the other side attack people who have just died? Oh. So this is the kind of thing you can only get in like a, a you know a Swedenborg question and answer show. Like tell like you know it. Tell me whether or not this happens. Does anybody have any initial thoughts on that? Sure, well, I have yeah. an initial. Thought. Okay, all right. So everybody's got something. Do you want to? Well, you want to go first? Um, sure. Uh, people who have just died. My impression is that at just died, we are seriously taken care of by the most heavenly angels. Mm-hmm. So it would be a little while before you got to face some of the ugly stuff, I think. I'm, I'm That's gonna, a quick answer. I'm going to agree. Does anyone have to have a le- answer of exactly the same length? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, I agree with that. A very, very protected at first. It's interesting that some of the near-death experiences, you know, like it seems like a minority of them, but some people go to a dark place. Mm-hmm. You're talking you know, about Howard Storm, who was on our show. He started right. out negative. That's right, and I've seen a couple of other ones that that started out negative and then got better. And so that that's interesting to me that some people just go into the glorious light and the angels, and it's all wonderful. And some people have a you know a detour somewhere else on on their way there. But I think. Um, in general, we—I uh, mean, all the time—we are incredibly well cared for, and anything negative that happens, it's for a reason. That's something we can learn, and so on. It's not just sort of, hey, there's the new guy, you know, and you beat right. him up or something. Right, right, right. Which is what you guys did to me when I first got here, but no hard feelings. Uh, and I maybe that's highlighting a bit of the difference between the near-death experience and the death-death experience. You know, right. The near-death experience is That's this true. kind of t- teaching tool because it's it's catered to people who are coming back, whereas mm. actual death. Did you have things, Chelsea? Just thinking of our show, uh, how angels take care of us when we die, and yeah. that we go into what Swedenborg says about like he he had the experience. If you're unfamiliar, of he talked about being led through a spiritual experience of ex- of going through the death process, and so that with his mind conscious enough that he could pay attention to um, what what his state was like and that it was very heavenly and very protected and that that's uh we go through that in that show and it's an interesting yeah read. and i was thinking of that account and that he talks about protective smells in that that, yes. that um he's the the smell was brought up by the angels um or, or they they facilitated it appearing of an embalming 
ointments, right. and that that that, it, that makes that is a protection against evil spirits, and is actually why the custom arose on Earth of mm. embalming bodies. Um, so, mm. just in case um, you guys were going to mention that, I, so I really it depends on how well embalmed you are. That's it. Okay, so um, so so. Do you guys feel complete about that? I mean, it seems like there's... And the protection period is 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 decently long because he talks about even after that, you wake up and heavenly angels are there. Celestial angels are there. They do everything that That's you right. could want. If you get tired of them, then spiritual angels, then natural angels. And you have to keep getting away and getting away before you're going to go through any kind of reformation or tough process. So it seems like you really get time to like... You dry your socks, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, there, there's an initial period that only ends when you decide I'm ready for something else. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so so no worries, no worries. All right, all right let's go to the next one. Thanks, Mary. Um, <coughs> this is from Hootenanny Guide. Am I Hootenanny. saying Hootenanny? Hootenanny Guide. Hootenanny. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say this right. And I knew it was that word you guys just said. Hootenanny Guide. I've learned a fair bit on Hinduism. And the concept of karma makes sense compared to my Christian upbringing of one shot at this life. Mm. Heaven or hell is your reward. It just didn't seem fair since everyone was starting from such different situations. Karma sort of answered it, but I'm curious as to Swedenborg's ideas about the many different places we all start from. Mm. Some have disabilities or come from bad homes. Some are blessed right from the get-go. And Hootenanny is right about that. I mean, you see that in the world. So there's there's a clear unfairness there if if we really are being judged point for point on our performance here in this world how does swedenborg reconcile that do you guys know mm. or do you want me to start um yeah i'm thinking th- about it sure sure yeah there's just <clears throat> such a difference between um worldly blessings and heavenly blessings and and swedenborg says that things like wealth and your circumstances can be as much of a curse as a blessing depending on how you how you hold it and and so on so um i i just think there's got to be some sort of fairness blanket over the whole thing you know i i I see that people in the same circumstances living on the same street or at the same level of you know poverty or affluence or whatever it is uh are able to go to very different places in their lives Mm -hmm. you know like there's a freedom in how you hold it one two people can go through the same experience one can become bitter one can become sort of you know, like they can just use it for their spiritual growth, mm-hmm. and um, so I, I don't think those kind of things have the total power to like ruin our life. There's an independent. We're, there's something independent in us yeah. that's above that level that we can respond to. And I want to talk a little bit about heredity because Swedenborg sort of adds a level of unfairness to it because he says that mm. we are all born with tendencies to evil in particular That's ways true. that we inherit through sort of our genealogy that you just like you inherit genetics from your ancestors, you're inheriting good and bad tendencies. So you could inherit a bunch of bad tendencies. However, he also says that uh, heredity, everybody's um, not judged, but but it's known what your heredity is and what you're already working against. And it gets me thinking about that quote of um, uh, the same action uh, done by a thousand individuals can be seen spiritually in a thousand different ways because only God knows what actually went into that. So if you're if you're acting out, but you're a product of bad influences in your environment, that's different than seeing evil, loving it in a state of freedom and going after it. So right. it's it's definitely not like you get there and there's a scorecard how many misdemeanors how many felonies did you have 
it it all has to do with with circumstance and it's not and god is not interested in i really want to set out a standard and like who's going to measure up to this standard it's god is wants to give everybody every chance possible and would not i would say there's no way that divine love and wisdom would allow for conditions that would put us put anyone at a disadvantage because god's going to feel that loss more than anybody so i would imagine everything is is actually contrary to the appearance like set up for our everyone individually to have the best shot right it would have to be so yeah, yeah. it makes me think of um uh so he's bring or he or she is bringing up the idea of disabilities or different yeah, yeah. <laughs> different environments of upbringing or whatever. But I think about there was a time when I thought a lot about well, what you know, somebody lifespans that some people live for such a short amount of time and then other people live for a really long time. That's and right. it seems you know like there was somebody in my high school that committed suicide, and so was that that was his one shot. You know, like there's nothing else after that. But um, in thinking about Swedenborg talks about how we can limit we lose a sense of the of wisdom when we limit ourselves to just what time and space looks like what it appears to us and so when we try to uproot ourselves or lift our minds above the appearances of time and space then we can start to have sort of heavenly insight into situations and that's what helped me with you know that one friend because it's like well the lord who is love and wisdom itself can know this person so particularly that they can make, the Lord can make a whole life out of this one person's 16 years that they had in this world. You know, like it was enough to lead to eternal happiness for that person, even though they'll have, you know, spiritual processing or whatever that they'll go through and growth that they'll go through on the other side. Um, And so that, uh, so part of that also was thinking about how Swedenborg says that everything in the spiritual world or the a core feature of heaven is that everything is for usefulness. Like that's part of the Lord's process too, um, or the way he is. And so anything, the Lord can work with anything. And so whatever Mm. the, whatever Mm. bag of marbles you get when you come into this, when you incarnate into this world, that's enough for the Lord to do the Mm. thing that he's really good at, which is creating angels that are so unique and perfect in their own, you know, identity because in the lord and so that is something that whatever this soup of time and space disabilities or in super impoverty you know poverty or war-torn areas or <coughs> super affluent areas whatever you know yeah. they, everybody needs to go through the same process and it's uh it starts here but then it goes into the next world from here and i want to just draw attention to that last sentence heaven and hell heaven or hell is your reward that's not really how Swedenborg sees it. So, are we going to say something? Yeah. No. Oh, I thought you were different. just getting ready. I'm going to say something different. Did, no, but... say it. Forget it. <laughs> just, say, just say what you're going to say. Okay, I was going to say, um, well, Swedenborg talks about how your life is waiting for you. Like, however you've lived here is waiting for you on the other side. But, that, but he also says that um, when you die and your spirit leaves this body, you leave behind a whole lot of the worldly trappings and the right. and the nightmares and so it sounds to me like at least at that point we come to a kind of e- even playing field or something like that mm-hmm. because um because our worldly circumstances are so different and yeah. somehow we we then get a new a new footing when we like okay let's shake that off okay now who am i really underneath all that um 
Right. And, and Swedenborg's teaching about the world of spirits is so fascinating to me that that really in a, you, you don't just have one shot. You really have two in a sense. You have one shot, which is your life in the physical world. You have a second shot in the world of spirits because you're not in heaven or hell yet. And Swedenborg, even in a, one or two passages that I stumbled into, describes this, that you have your physical death at the end of your physical life. But then there's also a death of your spirit before you go on to the, you know, to heaven or to hell or whatever. Mm. And and so there's an, there's kind of a, a second life and a second death. The Bible even talks about the second death and, and things like that. That there's, um, uh, so you kind of have two shots. And all this, although Swedenborg says that a lot of how we're, you know, how things end up for us in the other life is based on our life here. He also says we're not judged on the basis of anything we did in this world. It's only the things we do in the other world, but we tend to do the same things there that we did here. So, you know, uh, so in a way, you kind of get two shots. Yeah, not not judged. The whole thing is not, um, okay, here's your score. Like, I already said right. that before, but I think it's important that Swedenborg makes that distinction very clearly. And it's not happenstance. Like, oh, you lived an extra week, and during that extra week, you did the worst thing of your life, and that's going to tip the balance. You, mm-hmm. Where we, heaven or hell has to do with the thing you love the most the thing that is like the deepest driving force of your life that that you have committed to over and over again it's not just like ah if i had died four months ago i would have i would have had uh, a passing grade and now i have a failing (laughs) it's not like you know it's not like that so those are a few thoughts on on karma and and situations a great question hopefully we addressed Mm -hmm. some part of it in some kind of relevant way so thanks very much let's look at the next one this is from Shasta Shasta Tiller. I shouldn't be the name guy. Yeah, needs some serious advice for how to endure a prison sentence, as their spirituality is the only thing that can keep them going. Suicide was considered, but working on changing those ideas, thoughts. All right. So, what do you do when you're in a really tough place, not just physically, but also mentally? What do you guys do? To, to get through things and what, what can we take out of what we've learned from our own lives and our own tough situations to try to give some helpful advice. I must think that must be so, so difficult, you know, like it would yeah. work on your head. You know what I mean? Like the, I think evil spirits could easily persuade you. This is your situation. This will always be your situation. You know, that, that yeah. kind of thing that sort of work on your head that way and in a particular way. And there must be a lot of different, um, what Swedenborg would call spheres, you know, you're just sort of different vibes around different kind of people yeah. that you're with in that circumstance. Um, but I think some of the same basic spiritual toolkit applies that um, I, I like the philosophy, the, um, the these, these people who did emblem books years ago, back in the like 17th and 18th century, believe that everyone in the flesh was in a prison. The flesh is a prison and Mm -hmm. everybody's in a prison. And it would be interesting to just sort of change your perspective a little bit that really you're in the same boat as everybody else uh, in a way. I don't want to push that too hard, but, you know, that that the flesh is is the prison that we're all trying to rise above. Uh, It's amazing how how, um, some people are able to have sort of transformative, you know, they learn a lot, they, they read a lot of books and they... They yeah. better themselves and, and, and use the time for reflection and so on. Uh, I think that would be very psychologically tough. I think I'd be terrible at it myself, yeah. you know, 
I, I really think I'd fall apart pretty quickly. But but um, so I don't feel like I have any great advice for anybody. But but um, um, but they there if people are asking for advice, we're here. Mm-hmm. We might as well yeah. give it. And I'm thinking if I was in that situation, I would probably think, oh, like I'm in this no man's land where life isn't really happening because I'm in right. this, I'm in this prison right. situation. I'm outside of the world. Nothing, but divine providence is there mm-hmm. too. Um, if 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 Swedenborg is right, if God really is who we've been told, then every situation is has the potential to be conducive to the highest good for everybody who's in that situation. So, like you are saying, learning and growing that kind of thing. Not that you're always in charge of that that for yourself, but that environment, e- even something like a prison environment, is just as ripe for the kind of spiritual change that leads to heaven as anywhere else. And speaking of heaven, it's a state of mind. Um, I bet there's right. been a, I bet there's been a good many people who came into heaven in prison. You know, like like here I've I've been through all this difficult stuff, and now, but my br- mind has changed enough that that um you know now I see life in a different way, and there's joy where there shouldn't be joy, but there is. So yeah, um, I, I think yeah. your your point is very important about the because um, anybody can suffer from that in prison or out of prison of uh, feeling like life is happening somewhere else. Or yep. I had such a dumb childhood or you know my life is stupid i've been in the wrong place and yes. my, my life is waiting for me somewhere and i can't find it i i don't know where it is and um to realize to i wanted to emphasize out of what you just said curtis that that the um uh the lord is the same in things greatest and least and so the lord is not sort of partly or vaguely or distantly present he's a hundred percent present in every situation that we that we find ourselves in, he's a hundred percent available and present there. Just as and and that is not just sort of a part of reality. That is his entire reality. He views each person as the center of the universe, and so and to realize that this life is happening right here. And look for the little miracles. Look for the chance to help somebody or you know those kind of things. Because yeah. and I think about Joseph in the Bible who had a horrible time in prison and emerged to just do amazing good. Right. I think of Nelson Mandela and, uh, you know, like great people who, you know, um, seem to come out somehow in, in, in good shape at the other end. I don't know how, but it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate it. This person is saying that um, their spirituality is the only thing that can keep them going. Um, and so, like, there already is a sense of spirituality there. And... In one of, in our recent show of how spirits are connected to your health, we talk about how um, an earthly situation isn't doesn't mean it has a spiritual level to it necessarily. Like it could just be earthly circumstances that you find yourself in, but you can bring you can bring a spiritual level to it and use it as sort of a springboard for spiritual growth, which I think is what or like you know connecting to the Lord and divine providence in that moment and <clears throat> thinking about prison on a spiritual level of you can always be working to free yourself from the prison of negative thoughts and feelings you know like hell would like to keep your mind in prison as well um and that you know the prison guards are thoughts of you know just evil and false thoughts about yourself or your situation or hopeful hopelessness and that kind of thing and uh you know in in that one episode maybe it's the lies evil spirits tell us or i forget which one but where we talk about the that's a lie program that's the lies evil spirits tell us like that is like building 
spiritual muscle to combat the, you know, destitute thoughts that you might be feeling about yourself or your situation is sort of breaking those bars internally. So like there are spiritual, you know, practices you can do every day that would slowly, because if you've been in prison for a long time, you might feel very buried in negative thoughts and feelings, but just like a daily practice of, um, you know, having an intention to do the that's a lie for negative thoughts and feelings when they arise and know that the real prison you're fighting is, are those very hopeless feelings that you're having that you can be freed from those gradually and, you know, connect to these bigger ideas. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up about the physical things can, can lead to spiritual growth. And I would imagine a situation as intense as prison, what's being described, has a lot of potential for spiritual growth, that you're sort of in a position to be accelerated because you're having to deal with so oh, yeah. much every day. And if if you can find a way to, to be looking to asking God, what can we do here? What can you do with me? Probably, you know, you could make years and years worth of progress in a couple mm. of months, you know, just because of the intensity of the situation, the the growing conditions there spiritually. So, you know, the, and if the eternal life is eternal and this one is temporary, it That's could right. be that you're looking back and saying, that was the greatest thing that could have happened, not because it was great that I got sent to prison, but what came out of that has just turned into this amazing thing for, for me spiritually. So those yeah. are, I have to yeah. just say one more thing, because it's like speaking of the Bible, like the Bible is so great for just talking about being stuck in prison or in captivity, like the, the captivity yeah. in Babylon of the children of Israel, just like, God, let's, you're going to have to go there. Sorry, you know, sorry about it. But like, that's what we all are having to go through. And then, uh, but, you know, the Lord tells them, you know, the thoughts I have for you are for, you know, goodness and not for harm to give you a future and hope. Mm -hmm. Like there's this, the Lord knows that we go through the deepest, darkest places, but he sees the end result which is the freedom, the spiritual freedom he's giving us through those hard processes that we're going through. Yeah, I love that mm -hmm. quote. Okay, so those are a few of our thoughts. Are we good? Do you have more? I do. <clears throat> Just the quick thing that um, everybody is worthy of God's love. So whatever criminal, whatever you've been convicted of, if you turn and live, then you know, the Lord's with you. I was just reading today that the Lord is more with people in temptation and trials and suffering mm -hmm. than at any other time. Closer, mm -hmm. closer. So the Lord loves you and is there to help. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So those, they say. those are a few of our, of our thoughts. Thanks so much for the, the honesty and the question. Um, all right, let's look at the next one. Susan, did Emmanuel Swedenborg teach or write about the rapture? Yes. Well, I mean, that term, was that term around? I don't know. I, this is not my field. Um, Jonathan, do you want to start us off here? Sure. Um, yeah, the idea of the rapture is largely based on First um, Thessalonians chapter 4. It talked about being people being caught up in the air and in the clouds and so on uh, with the Lord when he returns. But interestingly, that idea was not in currency, you know, even though Christianity had been going on for you know, almost 1800, 1,800 years by the time Swedenborg was writing, that was not a thing. The idea right. of the last judgment was a thing, but the idea of the the rapture, the way people hold it now of the idea that, that um, you know, uh, people are driving along the highway and all of a sudden the rapture hits and some people just disappear from their cars or, or whatever, you know. Right. 
um, the idea that people are going to be taken. Nicholas Cage was in a movie about it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Swedenborg says that that uh, he doesn't speak to the rapture specifically, but he still says that is not going to happen. Like yeah. in other words, you can piece together from what he writes that that isn't going to happen because um, uh, this is sort of a silly way of putting it. But you 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 can't. What's going to happen to the earth if you take all the good people out? It doesn't make sense as, as a strategy for leading the world. Yeah. And um, uh, it's very important to continue to have the human race here on this planet. Uh, Swedenborg says it's basically never going to end. Like the, the reproduction and the, and the life, is, it's not, there's not going to be some cataclysm and all of a sudden the physical world you know, doesn't exist anymore right. and, and, and there's a new, new heavens and a new earth and all that. Swedenborg knows about those scriptures very well, talks about them a lot, but says that that means a new spiritual era and a new atmosphere in this world, the, right. the earth meaning the church and and so on. Um, so the, he he says that's, it, it's one of those classic ideas. There's a lot of ideas that rattle around in Christianity that are a result of taking something that Swedenborg says was intended as something spiritual mm-hmm. and saying that it's physical. And misunderstanding. Right. And in that pers- specific passage, I can't talk tonight, rented lips. Sorry talking, about that. Talking is not a big deal. <laughs> but, but uh, no, no, it's not important in an activity like this. First Thessalonians 4, uh, you'll see there, it says that we'll be caught up in the air with uh, the Lord and therefore we'll always be with him up in the sky. And then at the end of the chapter, it says, therefore comfort one another with these words. Well, the way I read those words, literally, they're terrifying. You know, the idea of being sucked up into the air and then just stuck up there like are there are no houses or what, like what's going on, yeah. you know. And But obviously this was intended to be very comforting. The statement that Paul made to the Thessalonians was meant to be very comforting. I've realized, and it's hard to sort of defend it quickly, but what the air and the clouds mean there is actually Scripture. And what it's talking about is that Scripture unites people in this world with people in the other world. That's going to happen more and more as this thing unfolds. Uh, In other words, this sort of new era, the kind of new Jerusalem coming down, the second coming, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's what it's really talking about is how angels and people on earth will be together and working together more, which is a beautiful, comforting thought. <laughs> the idea of being physically sucked into the air and then stuck there forever is not that comforting to me. I, I, you know, even if the Lord's there, it's still not yeah. that fun up there. I do like like the power tower at Cedar Point. If you guys have ever been there, but you don't stay up forever. I guess that's why I like it. We did shows. We did a show about this. It was called End Times and Jesus Christ. Uh, So you guys can look that up where we talk a little more about sort of this concept. Do you guys have anything you want to add on that? That was great. All right. Okay. Stamp of approval. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's look at the next one. This is from Shelley. Why do I sometimes feel so connected to God, Mm. and other times I don't? that's true <laughs> right um i was yeah just talking to someone about and they're like what do you, do you ever waver in your belief about god right and i was like today i mean like <laughs> yes. you could, we can be here and talk about there's god right but if if i was reaching for something and on air and like knocked my cup over and spilled it on myself and like wrecked the microphone in that i would be like okay how can you really be there? You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're, if you're letting something like that happen, and I think that's a little micro moment of like, I was feeling really connected to God, and now I don't feel connected mm-hmm. to God. So I'm sure you guys may go through similar things. What's the deal? Like, just like, can you sort that out for me? The Lord loves to play hide and seek. Yeah. That's just you know. 
It's in which, our nature. Which is like really fun, but it's great when you can stop the game. You know. <laughs> so, so what do we think? What do you guys think? Uh, what? Why? Why do you? Why do we feel so connected and and so unconnected, disconnected? Well, Swedenborg talks about how even angels in heaven we maintain a sense of identity and or what he calls selfhood and so but even for angelic life that there's uh you go through cycles of states and so some states you're feeling closer to god and then other states you're feeling less he even says that like angels will feel more full of love because that's what god is and then other times less connected to love like it's hard to think of angels having sort of an off day but swedenborg says that they do yeah. and um and then that's just that is an important part of keeping um, vitality and you know there's just lots of reasons like you Swedenborg says that you just get really bored if you actually felt to go- connected to God all the time it actually is what is interesting about I mean you think of a relationship you know you don't always feel connected to the person you're in a relationship with but sort of the fun is that you're you have times where you're more connected and times when you're feeling farther apart and it's just like this very rich you know ongoing experience so um, that's definitely true. Yeah, I I feel like I'm glad you touched on the seasons uh, of life, and I think that this is part of why Swedenborg is hammering home the idea of correspondences so much. Look at the physical world, um, because we notice there's all this variation. Things like right now it's cold outside. Today at at three it was pretty nice. It's outside. So I that's useful for me to remember because there are times when I like Shelley, I feel really on. Like, it's like, you know, I, I like Swedenborg and read Swedenborg. And there's times when all those concepts, they just seem like like I've got them all in my grasp and I'm invincible. Like every little mental situation that comes up, I'm applying and I'm applying and I'm applying. Um, and then I go for for days and weeks of just like barely getting through and just at knowing like I'm operating at 25%. Like I should be, but I just can't snap out of it. And so I'm like, hey, I thought I was making progress. I thought I was making, so I think it's like, no, it's it's winter right now. It's mm-hmm. night. So to think about like makes me think, okay, it's not lost. It's just I'm cycling back, but 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 hopefully better and better. Like mm-hmm. you know, hopefully there's global warming in my soul, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm getting like I'm getting higher and higher um, to to needlessly bring that in. Yes. Um, so so um, I think that that correspondences, man, that, that's got to be a part of it. So. It's a good reminder. Yeah. yeah. Um, doesn't make it fun, but but mm-hmm. it, it makes it a little more bearable. Yeah. yeah, and you can it it is intended for our perfection. And Swedenborg also talks about the fact. I, this is a very very weird analogy, and I apologize in advance. But uh, can we I stop, went to, the, stop yeah, the feed for a second? I, I went to um, bleep this out later. Uh, Thunder Bay at one point, and I don't know if it's still the truth now, but they Canada? had these. Yeah, they okay. had these paper mills there. That have this really terrible smell, mm-hmm. uh, te- just really bad smell of the of the byproduct of making this paper. But after you're there for a couple of weeks, I was there for two weeks. You don't smell the people who live there don't smell it anymore. Anything that is constant, you don't even sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Your senses screen it out. Mm. So the only way you can become more perceptive, one of the functions of what we're doing here, is to become more and more perceptive, to become sort of um, connoisseurs of. God, you know, yeah. like knowing the different feelings which you get by, you know, only an excellent wine 
taster has tasted all kinds of wine and has tasted some really bad stuff and can tell you, no, this is quite exquisite here mm-hmm. or something. And so it's to develop that. And you can use that. See, it, you know it's all an illusion, just like your example of how warm it is in the afternoon and cool in the evening. The sun is exactly the same as it was. You know, it hasn't changed in the slightest. Right. Uh, but it's how we face. And it's also that we have multiple levels in our minds. And so this is actually information that you can use about where you are in your mind. Because you can't always tell, you know, wh- where you are. Like, Consciousness just will seem like, well, I don't know, I'm conscious. I don't know where I am in my mind. But if God is there, you're you're pretty high up the elevator mm-hmm. right now. And 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 if God isn't, and you can hardly think or something, you know, you're you're pretty low down. So you can use that to start to tell. Oh, I think I'm in. You know, probably shouldn't make major life decisions right now right. because <laughs> I'm sort of a moron right at the moment. Um, you know, as Temporary opposed to being moronity. lifted yeah. up and having that beautiful. <laughs> vista of everything um so it's um and i haven't described how it's it's valuable for purification but it does it it it's we're able to cast off impurities it humbles us and and so there's a reason for it and there's some things you can do to try to get it better but i i used to think that you could just get connected and never fall off but reading that thing the same things that chelsea was just referring to about angels falling out of heaven you know it's like nobody nobody can stay there 24/7 100% of the time you you just yeah. But but they learn every time they learn and they get perfected and they get better and better right. by going up and down. And it's an interesting like it's a yeah, it I feel like we can point at these metaphors because they really are true. So we know that that's like a truth about our own process, mm-hmm. but then it takes a lot of time to just get used to like oh yeah, I don't have to get needlessly down on myself if I find myself in a low ebb mm-hmm. or I don't mm-hmm. need to, you know, just say oh I wasn't working hard enough, why aren't I doing well today, you know, or something yeah. that you can learn to have patience with your own process. And the Lord from infinite, you know, wisdom knows exactly how to use those states for our further growth too. And um, just one other example that was coming to mind was that in music, you know, we, if, if it was just one note or like some shining chord for four minutes, it would be the most boring song. But yeah, like we but purposefully manipulate <laughs> yeah. these sounds that just are off and then they resolve and then they go mm. off and then they resolve. And that's just what our spirit thrives on that, you know? So actually we thrive by going up and down. But when we're, when we don't understand that, then I think you feel like, wait, I'm just drowning out in the ocean here. What do you mean? But when you start to learn, oh, wait, this is actually the flow. This is the way this goes. You can start to ride it a little bit mm. more gently yeah, with yeah, yourself. Yeah. Mm. I have a lot of sympathy for that, the not feeling connected part. Yeah. Um, and I, I do sometimes feel like I'm missing something when I talk to my friends about their connection with God. Um, but what I remember is that God is love. And so any kind of love that's happening is God present with you. So I hold on to that one myself because yeah. I can always find love for somebody or, you know, for some situation right. hanging around the edges somewhere, even if I don't label it specifically that I'm loving God or God is loving me right now. Right. <laughs> nice. And to Third close, party love. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
to close, um, Jesus Christ. So I often think about, uh, you know, we're trying to live life as best as we can. Like, I, if, if I was really worth anything, I would be able to live life really well. I'd, so how would, like, how would God live life? Like, what's the ultimate and the best? Like, let's just see. Let's have him come down here and just really, really knock it out of the park. <laughs> Jesus Christ was going through that same cycle. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, I got all this power. Now I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now I got all this power. So it's like if if perfection is doing it that way, um, yeah. we're, right. we're probably not going to beat him we're at that. We're not going to get out right? of it. Yeah. Right, right. So, so, so <laughs> like, I've got to go like, be by myself right now. Okay, now yeah. I can be with the crowds of people. Yeah, so it's going to be tough. But I do feel like... Yeah, so it's it's not like we're not going to go through these hard times, but as you were saying, by learning about those times, we do mitigate our suffering in those times. So yeah. hopefully the, we can get this sort of meta mind. Like, it's like winter's going to come, but we're building up our house. Yeah, like, you learn coping got, strategies. Now we can heat two of the rooms, you know, so that <laughs> even though we know it's winter, it's like, it's not as cold as it was in the 1800s. Right. Like, we deal with winter <laughs> yeah. now, but it's not like it was back then. So hopefully we're progressing there. So great question. Shelly, let's take a look at the next one. Xenia, my mother died of cancer unexpectedly. I just need to know that she is not in pain and happy. Yeah, that's tough. It's so hard to, to lose somebody and, and to lose them without any kind of preparation for it or, or anything like that. So where, you know, can have we heard reports that, that she's all right? So what do, you, what do you guys think? She is not in pain and she's happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, the, the cancers of the physical body... And even probably as she was approaching death before she crossed over, she started to f- feel more separate from that and be able to look down on it from above and not just be in it all and so forth. And uh, she probably at the time of her exit had this glorious sort of release from the physical body. And Swedenborg reports talking to people who had recently died and they say they have just cast off something that was of use to them in this world. But they're they're not lacking anything, you know. They're in a wonderful condition. Um, the Bible in First Corinthians fifteen talks about our spiritual bodies that they're incorruptible, they're indestructible. They don't have the same kind of diseases. Swedenborg says there are no hospitals in the world of spirits, and and um, uh, and so you're in a world of love and wisdom and light. And Swedenborg says that for a lot of people going to the other world, it's like waking up out of a sleep. It's just coming into a glorious thing. So I feel pretty strongly that she's, I, I know she's not in pain and I bet she's really, really happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's sort of uh, unfortunate, but true as well, is that like the person who is dying and crossing over, I think is most likely, not only are they not in pain or and not unhappy and suffering, but they probably have, like the people left behind are the ones that are feeling the pain and are having a hard time being happy. Yeah. And, uh, and that... But because it feels like their loved one is far away. But I think the loved one who's crossed over is born into a sense of the deep connectedness that we all have. So they probably feel, you might think, oh, we're apart from each other. Maybe she's sad because she's missing me and she knows this or that, you know. But that's like, that is um, most, I would, when I've thought about it, I think it's that they come into a deeper sense of the connection that we really have. So they feel closer to us than they maybe used to feel because they... Mm are just in the spirit. And, uh, and I think we can, as we build our spirits, we can get a stronger sense of how we really do have that sustained connection with them, um, as well. And, uh, and then same with that unfortunate dichotomy where 
when you've crossed over, you also probably have a greater sense of the providence involved in the whole scenario, whereas mm. those of us left behind just have to pick up the pieces and right. don't know why it all happened or whatever. Yeah, right, and, right, right, right. Um, so I guess the point of that maybe is like, take care of yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. do, do draw on the things that you need mm. to help yourself process this side of it. Well, mm. that, can, that can shift the meaning. If, if, you've, if you're worried about somebody else, like oh the, the poor like, and, and even if you believe in a life that's still like I've known people that have died from cancer and you're just like that poor person you know like you're just sad for their suffering right. but if you know oh oh I'm the one who's suffering yeah. you know yeah. it's it's almost like a relief like oh, I can take care of this like I you take care you're, of as long as they're okay this person that because you can't help them you know it's totally helpless but okay okay I'm 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 the one I'm the one that like I'm sort of the bottom here. I, I don't know. I feel like that, that means something um, and hopefully can be can be some kind of comfort. Right. There's something yeah. you can do there. Yeah. You know, you yeah, can yeah, feel yeah. powerless over helping them on the other side no matter mm. what. But you can be taking actions to, you know, comfort yourself yeah. or get the help and support that you need. Right. It's so hard, that unexpected thing. I just I feel for the mm-hmm. person writing the question. Mm-hmm. That's very difficult. Though. Absolutely. And all, it, yeah. my my father said death always comes as a shock. You know, even, even when somebody's been ill for a long time, it's still, I don't know, there's something shocking about it. And it's a difficult Finality. loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I've heard a lot of accounts of, of spiritual experiences and visitations by loved ones. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard or just very rarely heard of anybody visiting and saying, I need help. It's always like they're trying to comfort the person. I'm, I'm here to help like, you. Like, yeah, the, the, it's always right. like um, I had this really vivid dream and they were saying, it's okay, tell mom I'm fine or, or whoever it is. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's almost universally this, hey, I'm here. Not only am I okay, I'm stopping by to take care of you. Mm-hmm. you know, right. so that's coming out of a place of abundance of some kind. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Carter, did you have... So no, that's, that's, okay. that's all good. All right, good. So, so thanks so much for, for sharing that, and uh, hopefully that was that was helpful. All right, let's look at the next one. This is Jim. Did Emmanuel Swedenborg ever say you could go back in time? Could I go back and meet Henry VIII? <laughs> yeah, but but not Henry the Seventh, right? Um, <laughs> does, does Swedenborg ever report? There are limits, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, it's not just woo-woo. Um, <laughs> does Swedenborg ever report talking to people from the past? Yes. He does, but in the spiritual world. So, okay, yep. Go, yeah, you, you, it's not quite the same as time travel mm-hmm. here in this physical world. But uh, Swedenborg's idea that people live in this world and then die and go to the other world and then they're oh, there man. permanently. Henry VIII is still there. Okay, you know? sorry. I, I got, like I'm so Swedenborg brained that I saw that and I was like, of course, yeah, you go in the spiritual world. I mean, he's right. talking about physical time travel. Right, yeah. right, right. I got you. Right. I got you. Yeah. Okay. back in time. And, right. And there so, uh, and it it must be pretty amazing. I think there's such an essence of different periods in history, and I think a lot of people are really interested in that. And I know I've heard near death experiences where people ask, "How was the world created, or what was going?" You know, they mm-hmm. people want to know. Right. And Swedenborg emphasizes that after people pass on, angels want to answer any question they have. Uh, and I think we build up some frustration while we're here in this world because we have so many questions, like what is going on, and, and you know they're harder to get answered here than they are there. So to go in that other world and then be able to see it wouldn't it be fascinating to be able to see different time periods and and different characters and feel that atmosphere and 
I think all that's possible there. in the other world. And they're right. all they're all there. Yeah, all yeah. those spirits continue in some sense, like that yeah. atmosphere of that court or something. You know, and he, still going. He talks about visiting, yeah, people who lived centuries and centuries and millennia ago or something here in this world, but um, you know, a quality of the spiritual world, according to Swedenborg, is that everything is based on love. You know, love and wisdom or feelings and thoughts. And so when you have a whole community of people that lived way back when, they have shared feelings and thoughts. So in the spiritual world, they, they are, they're recreating their culture, you know, you could say. There's right. lots of, so even though it's outside of time, there's still, there's this sustained thing because they have a, they're on the same page about, yeah, this is how a house looks, you know, or something, or this is how a, whatever, that kind yeah. of thing, that level, I don't know how it, it all exactly pans out in the spiritual world, but that is sustained um, and I just, this is like way semi-tangent, but it's just so cool. I just got it the other day. I was reading this passage from Swedenborg and he talks about how like why you can't see angels that are around you, even, even in the other world, like different levels of angels, you might not see mm. certain levels, but we are so much, our spirit, which is in the human form is the embodiment of love and wisdom. Like it is love and wisdom that we are, that we've taken into ourselves. And so if you're not thinking those thoughts, feeling those feelings, you're just not gonna see the person. Yeah. Cause you're not in the love that they're in or the thoughts that they're having. Like that's what's so interesting. Like it actually does equate to whether you see somebody or not. Mm -hmm. So right. somehow Swedenborg had this ability to hook into the love or the thoughts of these different communities and go there. Yeah. Um, and, or not even go there, but just like, got to be in them that got to see and experience and communicate with them. Right. And he, he says thought brings presence and love brings conjunction. And so um, I think when he says often when people cross over, they they want to see their loved ones or they think of people that they, you know, have, have read about or something like that. And so I think there's probably a lot of people who Henry wanted to, to meet. Henry busy so, on the other side. I, I think he's probably... <laughs> busy yeah yeah well Swedenborg <laughs> talks about people like wanting to meet religious leaders and that kind of thing yeah. and, the, and sometimes you really can you, you go and you meet that person. that's right other times you sort of meet a surrogate like yeah. you go like yeah. meet right. someone who you think who you think is that if and I think it has to do with whether your um, attachment to them is healthy or unhealthy mm -hmm. if it's healthy you can probably go re but if it's unhealthy you need to be shown your illusion so and, and, uh, unhealthy for them like in some mm -hmm. cases Both, yep. if people are just adoring someone because they're considered a saint or something like that right. uh, some of those it just he says it actually makes them silly and they babble and stuff like that so mm -hmm. it's better to get the surrogate in and then they, <laughs> right, they right. make some money and it it's, it's fun role to play disappointed <laughs> yeah right yeah. okay well then um i wanted to say that swedenborg talks about visiting people from what he called the most ancient church which was we don't know exactly how long ago but thousands and thousands of years ago mm -hmm. um and he said they live as Chelsea was saying, in a similar kind of style. Yeah, that's right. So as they were in the world, so you are kind of right. traveling back in time. Yeah. Um, right. So you can't like really like McFly go time back travel. and mess. Like I'm on Earth in in 1801. Right. Um, Stop my parents from getting together. That's right. And he also says that like yeah. memory never <laughs> fully goes away; it just goes dormant. So I think like there's there's Your I mean external and, memory right, and yeah. and all time is the present to God. Yeah. So like. There is somehow the spiritual possibility of you hooking into somebody's memory from way back when and getting even an earthly memory that had been dormant, but being able to see. I mean, come on, we should be writing way more cool sci-fi books about 
Swedenborg's ideas, don't you think? So, I mean, come on. This is if you're, if you, if you're an invitation. Take this idea and run with it, man. You're yeah. going to make millions. Yeah, and, and don't forget, you can donate to the Swedenborg Foundation <laughs> once you do. All right, so that, thanks, Jim. Let's take a look at the next one. Sharon, when I think about my brother who passed, am I bringing his spirit close to me? Um, we were just talking So we about were talking that. about that. Do, so... Yes. Maybe his spirit is already close to you, and that's why you're thinking of him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Right. Okay. So that's like the the spiritual is always influencing our thoughts and feelings. So it's not just like, oh, I'm happy to be thinking of my brother. So we were hanging out. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's that. From what I understand, from what Sweetmark says, that that is how it works. You know, our thoughts and our love for somebody do. Um, Make them, uh, make them present. Bring bring us together. Um, so, when someone passes away, and everybody gathers and they have a memorial for the person, I think there's a lot of people feeling that person's spirit. And that's you know just thinking mm-hmm. of the essence of that person, mm-hmm. what their sense of humor, what they did, and this and that, different facets of them and everything. And and. Um, so I definitely think, and, and as Kara said, I, I agree that it, it may be even coming from from the other side. And sometimes you can just sort of see someone in your mind's eye, can't you? Like you, or you feel, you think about their, you know, the way that they were, the things that they did, and yeah. stuff like that, and it brings them close to your mind. I think we tend to think of that from a sort of scientific perspective, as if oh, I'm just having a thought of someone, but the idea that maybe they're participating in that in some way mm-hmm. and you're enjoying something about them because that's what Swedenborg says in, in the other world uh, he says this is such a powerful force that you actually cannot keep people apart you know <laughs> like right. this is just a magnetic force that brings people together absolutely Chelsea do you have any final thoughts oh it just brings up the question of you know when you're thinking yes I'd say your spirits are close if you're thinking of him and um, and I just want to pull a I don't know as far as like how conscious are they of the thinking like I think there's a feeling we have senses you know and not all of our senses involve conscious thought and so I think that spiritual closeness I would you know we can feel the warmth of love without necessarily having a cognitive thought that oh they happen to know that you're sitting in your bathroom right now or something like that you know like you don't have to feel embarrassed or something if you're thinking about your brother while you're getting changed or something you know like whatever it is like that that's that there's a sense and a way a form of communication that isn't sort of like popping into this world for a second and you smell what you're having for dinner and then you know there's something else going on there yeah so something makes sense emotionally like if we saw it in a movie You'd be like, yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's uh, let's look at the next one. Thanks, Sharon. Harlan, did Emanuel Swedenborg speak about a new civilization? Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of ways that we could go with that. I think he does. And, and what does he what does he say about it? And what what is it? And when does he speak about it? Or does he speak about it? It's really great. Yeah. <laughs> so I I let, t- go ahead. Well, I think it's what uh, Matthew 24 or whatever book of Revelation is talking about. You know, that's telling the story, the inner story of this new civilization that's going to come. Is the it new not? Heaven, the new Which heaven is and the some, universe. yeah, the new heaven yeah. and the earth. The holy city Which kind is of a also thing. the, um, I mean, it's got to happen in here too. So I always get confused between the human, the individual human experience of 
<clears throat> a new civilization in ourself, as it were, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole world. So, somebody else say something. No way. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, it's it's it. He he doesn't talk about, to, to the best of my knowledge, he doesn't sort of say specifics like, oh, there will be a new form of government, or there will be, or, or you know, this. He doesn't right. get into sort of concrete end of it quite that much but he certainly does talk about he loves the prophecies in the old testament prophets as well as the passages Carl just mentioned um to talk about like uh, god says i'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and the young women and the old men you know everybody's going to be prophesying and mm-hmm. or it says that no one will have to teach anybody about the lord because they'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest and and um so there are descriptions of a time that will be full of love, of uh, a sense of the presence of God, um, kind of an innocence and a peace of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. So that suggests there will be more and more peace as you go forward. So it sounds really, really wonderful, like it's going to be great. So I don't know exactly what form that takes or exactly how we get there on a day-to-day basis from here. Right. But this is a lot of what this this show is about, is how you get the thoughts and the feelings that go with heaven and try to deploy that in your life. Yeah, he is, he does talk about a new state of the church, which is the heart and the mind in somebody. He definitely talks about a new church is coming, heaven's going to change. You know, the thing inside, how that manifests externally. He doesn't he doesn't really get play that game, and I don't think he knew. Right? He he said even angels don't know exactly right. what the future is. That actually, right. um, that trying to worry about that is kind of gumming up your your spiritual health. Um, but he mm. he does say that he knows that it's going to get better for the heart and mind. And so I, it's cool to imagine what kind of ripple effects that would have. I think about what if you called a plumber and you knew that the plumber is going to only charge you exactly what you have to pay, that he's going to do really good work, and, and that they <laughs> care about your house as much as you care about it. You know, And if that was every every rest stop that you pull off on the highway, you know, you know that everybody in that town, no matter what time of day, it's like, they just want you to be happy and you can totally trust them. That would make a pretty cool world. And, and what would that do for public discourse and, and our ability to solve problems um, and our ability to care about the whole and, and make sure everyone's all right? I mean, I, I think about human potential, you know, and what we're all doing and where we're putting our energy. If we were all, there's plenty of, there's plenty of capacity. If we all put our minds to solving the world's problems and not causing them, we, everybody could be happy and cared for on, on the mm-hmm. planet. And so, you know, maybe once the internal changes, we, we'll basically be able to do anything we want externally. And, yeah. and Swedenborg says it's definitely going to happen. Like it's, yeah. he, he doesn't describe exactly what it is, but it is definitely yeah. going to happen. And I'm reminded of something he writes where, I mean, he does along with that say, like say, for us to pray for the Lord's kingdom to come. Like that's he right. thought that's really important, you know, right. pray for the Lord's kingdom to come. But what exactly that looks like in this world, not entirely sure, but he does describe, there's one um, quote that he says, a passage about um, overcoming religious differences or differences in doctrinal yeah, understanding, right. belief systems, being able to mm. overcome that, being able to root ourselves in love and being able to then see beyond just the different ways we understand God. That's right. And that he says, when we have that focus on love, 
the Lord's kingdom will come. Like that there is this ability to acknowledge somebody has a different understanding than you, but being able to still acknowledge that we all live from love, then that's that's part of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's good for that one. I think we have like one or two more in here, depending on how, how long we take. So let's mm-hmm. look at what our next question is. Mm-hmm. This is from Kate. So when we are thinking of someone in heaven, how can they be with us if someone else is thinking of them too? Right. And it's thoughts that make you travel in heaven. How can they be in two places at once? So it's got to be whoever thinks harder about thing. them, right? I don't know. So, yeah. Thought, um, tug of wars? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Thought of wars? It's, it is stranger than that, actually. From what I read in Swedenborg, he says, now, I, I don't know how it is for you, but um, I found myself sometimes I can be paying attention in a meeting or something and I don't realize there's also a song playing in my head there's a whole thing going on there's a song just playing away and two things are going on at once you know you know sometimes you drive home you don't even know which way you drove because you were so busy thinking of what you were thinking that you were actually somewhere other than consciously in your car Mm -hmm. even though there was enough of you there to get you home on, on the on the road Swedenborg says that uh, he says he doesn't expect anybody to understand it or, or believe him, but he still his his union you know rules obligate him as a revelator to say it, yeah. which is that all of our thoughts and feelings you could see them all of our thoughts and feelings, each of them is in the human form. So each of our thoughts and feelings can go out and do things as a separate individual from all our other thoughts and feelings. And um, so, and he describes us as being like a shoot that grows up and then turns into a tree and bears fruit. And then all that fruit falls into the ground, grows up as a whole bunch of trees and into a forest and a forest of forests and goes on without end, he says. And um, so I've thought about this a lot and I think it's the case. I don't know exactly how it works, but I think it's sort of like the same thing that you can be very present with somebody, but then you can be thinking about a friend who's sick at the same time and you you're in the way you're thinking about it constantly while it's going on you know like it never leaves your consciousness even though you're doing all these other things and thinking about these other things at the same time we actually have that already mm-hmm. we can actually be in several different thought places at once totally and feeling places at once i find as i as i age to the fantastic decrepitude in which you see me now good friends <laughs> that, uh, we, we have a lot of devices holding him up <laughs> yes, yes i'm sort of nailed to the chair here but the uh, <laughs> that more and more it gets hard to answer the question how are you i'm great and horrible and you know like yeah. i'm about 16 things at once right, right, right. it seems like it used to be i'd be in a good mood or a bad mood but it, it, it gets more and more diverse as you go along uh, so amazingly, I think if someone thinks of you in heaven and you're thinking of them too, and then someone else is thinking of you, you might be in both of those conversations at once. I think. I think yeah. you can in your spirit. The spirit is so much more flexible than the flesh. I think the spirit is actually able to be. Swedenborg describes experiences in the other world, and angels just appear. You know, you think of them, and boom, they're they're just suddenly there, yeah. and then the conversation changes. They disappear. Well, I don't think that angel just flew in for that. You know. 10 10 minute appearance right you know they're still somewhere else that was just part of them that that manifested there Mm. so i don't know that's my heresy sure um we did the show called uh space what was the one about space oh how to travel in the afterlife how to travel in the afterlife Mm. um and came across or you know through studying it i think karen found 
what was new to me, but this idea of how somehow in the spiritual world, you are always at your spiritual home and yet you mm. are yes. traveling. Mm. So you, right. it's sort of a, you say, could it, are we in two places at once? Actually, that's sort of at least <laughs> two, <laughs> always. Two, always. <laughs> yeah. right. Like there's always one part of you that's home and there's one part of you that's out doing something. And then there might be more than that. And uh, I don't know whether it's useful or not, but the uh, I've just been... I'm really fascinated by how uh, this there's a system of therapy called internal family systems, but where it really mm-hmm. does it's very Swedenborgian, and hopefully we'll write a show about it someday. Um, <laughs> but how you really do have so many different selves inside of you, and they have their own thoughts and feelings about a particular issue that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So if you sit down and say, "How many different parts of me care about this issue?" you could get about four or five people sitting around a table and they have very specific thoughts and feelings about very opinions. Yeah, different ones. And right. they'll have conversations. Right. But then who are you? You're this like core person that sits a little bit, like is moderating right. everything, even though you are very much all of those people. <laughs> and and so that somehow helps, the Swedenborgian understanding helps me get that because it's like, yeah, I'm always in my spiritual home. I'm always who I, who I am. And yet I'm, very conflicted <laughs> with all of these selves that I have, <laughs> and we yeah. we try to work, to, well, you know, together well. But yeah, we have hard Walt, days. And, you know. <laughs> Walt Whitman says, "I contain multitudes," and I, yeah. I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. my name is Legion," said the the guy in the Bible. <laughs> that's um, yeah. uh, and if you guys are looking at the the um, two places part, I also want to look at the at once because we did a show called "How to Live in Eternity Now," which is saying that spiritually, time is not what you think it is. There can be any number right. of things happening in the space of a moment in spiritual time. So somehow, you're, you're thinking in your spirit. There's not really an at once in the right. spirit mm-hmm. because there's infinite. But there, it's not like, ah, I can only... I, you're thinking of this right at 9.30 and you're thinking of it at 9.30. So you're both, there, there's, there's a difference in, in the way spiritual time works. The states mm-hmm. thing. I think that's what that helps right. me understand that state thing too because I can, ha- I can be... I'm very aware, like you can say, well, I think this, but there's a part of myself that feels this way. Those are two different states. So you're in two different times, uh-huh. two different time zones within yourself. Right. Yeah. And two different places, potentially. So that's that question. <laughs> and, and it's nine o'clock. Speaking huh? of time. Huh? We've really warmed it's up the Play Doh of our minds at yeah. this point. <laughs> well, then let's leave it there. I mean, let's not like resolve it. You know, let's just like, that's, yeah. that's it. You guys go, right. go read it. Go go learn, go live life for yourselves, and, and you'll come up with something. I do want to say, just to end, we are going to answer the question that everyone's been thinking, but nobody actually had the courage to ask, which is, what's up with these mugs? Yes. How come they all That's have right. this exact same cool Swedenborg mm. Foundation logo mugs? You can sort of see the logo on them. Um, go to <laughs> go to Redbubble, and uh, redbubble.com, I think it is, yeah. and you can go to the Swedenborg Foundation's account there. Get yourself one of these, and you'll be supporting. Lots of vari- can, variety of styles. Variety of styles. This shirt came right off of that. Sweatshirts. Um, yeah. So, and a, a portion of your purchase will will Swag. benefit um, confusing <laughs> talk shows like this one. <laughs> thanks, thanks to the whole panel. I, I love talking about this stuff with you guys. You all had wonderful insights. I appreciate you, you taking some time here. Um, and can't wait to do it again. Uh, all of you at home, we are gonna do the Swedenborgian life thing again next week, and we're gonna be looking at how to protect spiritual boundaries in relationships. So stay tuned. Well, don't stay tuned the whole time, but tune back in if you want to check that out. So I'll see you then. Thanks for hanging out.